It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. You better you bet. Jay Glasser and Ken Barkley just had the whale capper on Drew Densick. Make sure you go back and listen to that interview on the podcast. You better you bet podcast wherever you get your podcast. Great stuff from the whale, Ken. And the two of you got me all fired up now to watch that Netflix show, Breakpoint, because yeah, break I've point. seen yeah, I've seen Full Swing, obviously the uh the PGA tour one. I have not seen Drive to Survive, but Full Swing was awesome. And uh now Breakpoint sounds like I gotta watch it. Well, here's, it sounds here's really, the good really news. good. If you think if you think if you think Full Swing was awesome, you're you're gonna think these were the two gre- greatest shows of all time. If you watch Drive to Survive really? and Breakpoint, because like I don't, I didn't like Full Swing as much. Well, I mean, I I feel like Full Swing actually got kind of mixed reviews. Like some people thought there were parts, like there were definitely parts of Full Swing that were awesome. Like the Joel Damon episode's awesome, the Finau episode's awesome. Like there's like cool stuff in there. Kind like just seeing Kepka being exactly what you thought he was was actually really like was kind of funny. So there were definitely parts yeah. of it where you're like I'm glad they, I'm glad they did the show. Like I definitely didn't uh, the Mito Pereira part of the PGA Championship is great. So like there are parts of it where I'm like ah oh, it's cool. I I feel like Breakpoint is just on like a whole a whole and I know what happened. It's because the the argument for Drive to Survive from a lot of people, even if they don't, maybe it's even like they don't realize it. Like the argument for the show is like you don't you don't know who's gonna win. Because who the hell watches Formula One among the broader population? Yes, it is a growing sport. More people are watching it. Also, most people still don't know anything about it. So like in America, that is. And so you watch the season not knowing anything. So there's like, oh man, like who's going to win the Constructors' Cup or who's going to win this? Like you don't know. Makes the show better, obviously, if you don't know. Whereas golf, like you and I watch every tournament. So like when a tournament comes up, it's it's spoiled a little bit. The great, yeah. the best thing about Breakpoint is i i knew what happened i watched wimbledon i knew what happened last year and i knew what happened at the us open watched every match and it was still awesome the episodes were still like everything was spoiled i knew kyrios didn't beat Djokovic, and like that's the build-up in the first episode is that like kyrios you know completely flummoxes Tsitsipas, who like is talking to himself and throws things and gets all the violations like a guy who never does that and then moves on nadal withdraws all, like you knew all i knew all that I watched the tournament last year and it was still awesome. The episodes were still great. The way they shoot, it's phenomenal access to a lot of like really, really cool players, really good behind the scenes stuff. And you never get tennis behind the scenes stuff. Like you just don't, it's the first time you're seeing most of these areas that all the players, you know, after a match, like where do they do like all their work to train or like stretch to wind down from like what they were just done. And just like the level of access is awesome. So yeah, highest recommendation. What was the tournament where it was like every player that was featured on Breakpoint like got eliminated? Do you remember that? What, what was, it was was it like Australian Open? Maybe. Yeah. So there was there have been in the in the, in the second season 
they got really lucky. So there's only been two seasons and they, they, they deal with the grant, like the grand slams are like the, and the WTA and ATP finals are like kind of the flagpole events on the show. So they show yeah. you some other tournaments and then like the Taylor Fritz episode, he like wins Indian Wells, well, he wins it one time. He doesn't want, he gets hurt another time. And, uh, they show you like the other tournaments, but yeah, there's, there were a couple tournaments in season one where like they give you the arc of a player and it's still an interesting kind of like drive to survive where like the guy doesn't win the race and they, they really gloss over who wins the race. Like, and Lewis Hamilton wins, whatever, but the story is this other guy. And mm -hmm. there was definitely one where like both, like the, the key parts of the episode were out in like the quarters or something. And then it's like, yeah, and you know, Djokovic went on to win or Nadal went on to win or whatever. So, but just like drive to survive, either they invent, not invent because they exist, but they pick out interesting enough stories that like the winner of the tournament is not like exactly why you're watching. That's not like the thread that's going through the episode. Yeah, got you. Oh, interesting stuff there. Got to check that out. It is MLB All-Star Week, as we all know, in Seattle. Home run derby tonight. All-Star game tomorrow, which means it's a great time to kind of look at the futures market and especially these rookie of the year markets. We'll start in the National League here, Ken, where Corbin Carroll was favorite to begin James Outman kind of had a little bit of a lead there in the first yeah, month and he cooled yeah Outman yeah. was I mean he was on fire for the Dodgers he was, and he was the favorite yep and then Corbin Carroll just has kind of stayed steady the Diamondbacks have played great baseball Carroll's among one of the league leaders in war he's been great and then obviously we've had Ellie Mania with Ellie De La Cruz who before he even played a game was in like the top five in the Rookie of the Year market, and now he's plus 275. Carroll's minus 300, as you can see on your screen if you're listening on twitch.tv slash BeckQL. And then you also have a bunch of Reds on here as well, which yes. speaks to why this team Three is so others. fun <laughs> yeah, and why everybody loves them. <laughs> and right? I wasn't getting called Ab up yet. Yeah, it, so. It's amazing. I mean, McLean's up there, Steer's up there, Abbott's up there. Um, but let's just talk about Carroll to start here, Ken, and kind of the price at minus 300. Like, do you still think with all just the hype and the way that De La Cruz is being talked about and how he's on social media every night for something he's doing that we've never seen before, like, are you surprised that the number next to Carroll is, is still what it is at minus 300? Right, and the crazy thing is, you, that was an awesome job of explaining everything that's happening in the market. Like that was actually, I feel like that PJ, honestly, I feel like there are very few people, even in the betting space who could have done that introduction. That was like really good. And I'm an awards guy and you like kind of mm -hmm. nailed everything that's happening right now. So I, I, no, I'm serious. Like that was really good. And I think like, just in case people kind of didn't lock into that, like PJ kind of gave you everything there. And Carol was like minus 550 like a week and a half ago, something like that, uh, about two weeks ago, maybe about a week and a half ago in some place. So it was really starting to get so prohibitive, right? Like just, I mean, a, just a runaway winner. Sort of the same thing that's happened with, uh, with Otani to a certain extent at the time, like both of them were taking off price-wise. And now, and now things, interesting things have happened with both of them, which we'll get into in the next couple of days. Uh, this has the potential to be really interesting. It could be really fun, but we're not there yet. And, uh, you know, I was in Newport, Rhode Island, which I mentioned for my vacation, and I sent out a string of drunken tweets, which I like kind of never do, but it was, I was in a really funny situation where all of us, like there was, so it was, you know, my wife and I, and she's one of four, and it's all four of the couples and her cousins 
all of us have children. All of us have, well, with one exception, have multiple children. And the grandparents agreed to watch all, all, we put all the kids to bed in like the same rental house. And the grandparents agreed to watch all of them for a night so all of us could go out, which like basically never happens. Anybody who has kids can relate to this. Uh, you know, 11 kids all asleep and the parents all went out and had like a awesome time. <laughs> like it was really, really fun. But we're like right in the middle of it. Eh, we're like an hour away from kind of like winding down. And Jake texts me, Corbin Carroll hurt, like, look, I, I don't, I, I'll find the text if I really need it, but it's like Corbin Carroll hurt looks terrible or something. And this is for like, I bet a lot of awards. It's like, these are small markets, but I pay more attention to them than anything. I love handicapping them. I like thinking about them. I think it's really fun. It's one of my favorite things. And here we have like a huge favorite. And at the time looked like sustained a really, really significant shoulder injury had a history of shoulder injuries, had had surgery on the same shoulder already, had aggravated that injury the week prior, and now takes a swing, grabs a shoulder. Oh my God, like this is a seismic event in the uh, in the NL Rookie of the Year market. And so Jake texts me this, then I kind of go on Twitter. That's when I start tweeting, which you never want to do. And, uh, and I, I didn't say anything bad, but it was just funny. It was just like, hey, like I was really, really, really drunk and like trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And, uh, and it looks terrible. And I guess, fortunately for me, because I was like, do I need to like make coffee and like go back home and like think about this and put money in and like text people to see if like certain places are still open or whatever. And it turns out like everybody pulled the market. I didn't check everywhere, but like most places pulled the market. And that kind of told me that, you know, like there wasn't really a lot to do, I think. And, uh, and so it became, all right, what happens if he's out forever? What happens if he's out a month? What happens if he's out two months? What's like the right amount of games where this can get really, really interesting. Now it turns out, and you know this PJ too, obviously, because you were just talking about it. He's still playing. The first game back, he bunts the whole time, which is like the, the weirdest thing to watch. It was just like, wait, what is going on? And a cool, he gets an RBI and a base hit bunting. <laughs> just, just so stupid. It's like, oh, his war is actually going to go up on bunting. Neat. And, uh, and you know, but then like obviously has uh, what has like the go ahead run one of the two games over the weekend. I forget which one. I think Saturday night against the Pirates. And I think they, didn't they lose Sunday, I think. But um, looks fine enough. We're on the break right now. They pick big back up on Friday. I don't have any reason right now to believe that he's damaged. Like he gets a week off too. At any yeah. moment, it feels like something bad could happen now. We've had two instances where he gets hurt in the same shoulder and he's surgically repaired. So like, if you want to bet for that reason, cool. We can talk about who you want to bet on. Um, but just like, I know it seems so dicey. It seems like, how can I not want to fade this guy? He's minus 300 and his arm might fall off. But just like, it hasn't happened yet. And it, and I want to be really clear about this. this be my last point. Oh, I'm taking forever. But like, if he plays, he is impossibly far ahead right now. Like, he's so, and we'll talk about Elliot De La Cruz probably for the next five minutes. He's so far ahead, it's stupid. And he should be like minus 10,000 probably right now. But his arm might fall off at any moment. So that's kind of a big deal. And that's probably why he's not minus 10,000. So like minus 300 has a lot of concern baked into it over what can happen in the next few months with his shoulder. That's like the, probably the best way to put it. He is crazy far ahead. He's he's farther ahead than anyone is in any award right now, including Otani probably. And he's minus 300. Why? Because his arm might fall off. What would I do? I don't know. I don't know if his arm's going to fall off or not, but just like, 
it's an interesting market to follow now because now the favorite has the potential to be really vulnerable. He's not vulnerable yet, but he has the potential to be really vulnerable. I mean, it, it sounds like you, you love Carroll, obviously. So do you think like he would be worth a bet at minus 300 if like you see value there or are those injury concerns just if you're going to lay that kind of price? Like you just, you can't do that because you're concerned. Like you said, his arm might fall off. Yeah. I think I feel like you're kind of frozen in this market to make a really, really awesome decision because it's like a an, a 50-50 injury situation that you have no like rudder or no compass on like where to go here. Like I'm gonna I'm not I'm never gonna bet a minus three hundred on a guy who has like shoulder injuries and who has already aggravated the injury twice. It feels like he's just dodging landmines the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, oh well then you want to bet on guys to beat him. No, and we can get into that. So like I've said this yep. before, PJ, you and I have never had this conversation, but I, I always, well, I, I don't think, I know, historically, historically, it doesn't have to be this year, historically, Rookie of the Year is the absolute easiest thing to predict on planet Earth. It really is. Every other award and every other sport is more difficult. This is the easiest one. Here's what you do. Look and see who has the highest war average between the two like war projections, one by baseball reference, one by fan graphs. Look at, do an average of them. Which rookie has the highest one? Is it a position player? If it's like a little decision tree, is it a position player? If yes, that guy wins no matter what. Uh, is it a pitcher? If yes, he has to be way ahead of the position players, then he wins. If it's close between a position player and a pitcher for who has the highest where the position player always wins every single time. So like emphasis, so like tiebreaker to the position player, highest war. This is comically easy the last three decades. There's just no, there just isn't a data point on it not happening. So like, I get that Ellie De La Cruz is awesome. Mm-hmm. I want him to win. I win more money on him than I do Carol, and I'm good on both. I want Ellie. So I'm the, I'm not the guy who has a lot of money on Carol being like, don't bet Ellie De La Cruz. I don't, I actually don't really care who wins. I would prefer Ellie because it's fun. But like, if you just look, if you just try to project war the rest of the year and Carol's arm stays attached, he's like a six or a seven win player, which is like a top eight player in the league. Ellie De La Cruz is like a three and a half win player. Even if he plays like this, do you think we're going to get to the end of the year? Maybe your answer is yes. Do you think we're going to get to the end of the year and voters are going to look at like a six or a seven win player and then a guy who has accumulated like 60% of that and that just because he's awesome, they're going to vote for the second guy. And just maybe let's say the Reds win the division and the Diamondbacks don't. Like, are they going to really vote for him that reason? Maybe that would also be the first time ever that anything close to that has ever happened. And any, if you're going to sell me on that, that it's the first time anything like that has ever happened, I got to get a way better price than this on that happening. I, I mean, just, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's, it would be insane. And I don't think that's going to, if we get that, those projections, I don't think that's going to end up happening. See that, and I was going to ask you that because it, it that would be the only thing that would scare me. If this was any right. other player, if it wasn't De La Cruz, right? Everything you said, like well, there, there would be no exactly, and there would be no point of taking a bet at him. But like at the end of the day, these are all human beings who are voting for this award, and like sure. it's kind of hard not to watch Elie De La Cruz play baseball and be like, oh my god! Like, and obviously where the Reds were to what they are now. And, like, the Diamondbacks, like, few people thought they would have the season that they are. Shout out to our guy, Jake Hassan. He was on it. Yeah. But, like, nobody thought, like, they would be, like, this good, right, at the break, like, in contention to win the NL West. So, 
like I agree with everything that you said. I just think what makes this so fun and what makes it so fascinating is that there have been few times where a guy has come in to a team, to an organization and made like such an impact and has been such a highlight reel. And especially like the day and age that we live in with social media, I just think also kind of adds to his value too. I think if he was, I think the hard part is if he was competing against someone like very generic, it'd be so easy to like pick him over it. Corbin Carroll's doing like kind of what Ellie De La Cruz is doing and he's kind of doing it better. He has been doing it for longer. He's been a better player and the team is a surprise team also. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Good conversation. AL Rookie of the Year conversation next. You better, you bet.